When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go behind the wheel and under the hood on everything automotive with high-speed stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Join Josh and Chuck, the guys who bring you Stuff You Should Know, as they take a trip around the world to help you get smarter in a topsy-turvy economy. Check out the all-new Super Stuff Guide to the Economy from HowStuffWorks.com, available now exclusively on iTunes. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. As usual, I'm Ben. Scott, you want to say hello to everyone? Hello, everyone. And that's Scott, our auto editor. Uh, you know, the, I'm pretty excited about the weekend coming up. Why is that? I'm glad you asked. I'm actually, <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going on a little bit of a vacation up to the mountains in Inota, Georgia. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. What kind I, of a trip is it? I mean, a road trip? Uh, what, what are you talking about? More of a maxing and relaxing out by, by the river. Might go fishing. You know, might, I imagine, see some animals. Boy, well, you, was you, it like a camping trip? Uh, sort of, yeah. Sort of a camping trip. So there shouldn't be anything too wild going on. Certainly not anything wild enough to land me in a police car. But just in case... One thing leads to another, as you know, things can lead. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking maybe today we could we could talk a little bit about police cars. I would love to talk about police cars. I, I like police cars; they're really cool. So I think it's uh, it's a great topic for us. I think you know I think that they're very very fascinating. So I guess we should just start at the beginning, right? What what exactly is a police car? What do we mean when we say it? Oh well, okay, that's probably the easiest question we'll have all day, I'm sure. But what is a police car? It's a, a law enforcement vehicle, something that uh, police use to get here and there. Um, used to be in the past that um, you know police would walk the beat. You know they would just simply get around by foot and mm-hmm. uh, often in pairs. You know so that it was safe. Then they kind of progressed, uh, and maybe at the same time, I guess they they would patrol on horseback mm-hmm. um, and that still happens occasionally and even even walking police still happens you know in downtown city environments but yeah they, they would uh, you know ride on horseback walk then they kind of had to make this progression because here's what happened the criminals began to 
get vehicles so that they could get away quicker from the scene of a crime. Oh. Let's say bank heist, things like that. Mm-hmm. Funny as this sounds, you know, there, were time, there was a time when criminals had vehicles and police sometimes did not. Really? And Yeah, sure. So um, you know, I'm sure that it happened somewhere in some small town that, you know, there were, there were police officers that were left standing when, you know, the criminals were getting away. They, there's nothing they could do to stop them. Um, so th- in order just to keep up with the criminals, the criminal element, and also to be able to patrol a larger area and also, um, you know, just for, for, I guess, being able to get a lot of different police officers on a scene at one time, uh-huh. um, you know, rather than everybody walking, everybody riding a horse, um, made sense to, to move to a vehicle. And police car is it. And what, what a move it's become, am I right? Because there's so many different types of vehicles for different types of law enforcement objectives. Oh, that's right. Yeah, there's a, I mean, there are hundreds of different types of vehicles, really, that are being used for police vehicles. Now, specifically, um, you know, there, there are sports cars, there are sedans, there are um, SUVs for certain certain areas. There are also a few vehicles that are, you know, intended for off-road use only, um, you know, maybe in mountainous regions or trail uh-huh. Know, situations, uh, I don't know, park ranger type thing. Right, right. Um, but yeah, there, there's a just unbelievable variety. I mean, I've seen Mustangs, I've seen Ford Crown Victorias, I've seen Impalas, Dodge Chargers, you, you name it, there's a, a, a vehicle out there in service uh, as a police vehicle. And those vans as well. I know, I don't think we should go into the vans. The vans, yeah. The, that's right. the what do they call them? Paddy wagons? Paddy wagons. Yeah. And you know what? what? Interesting thing about a paddy wagon is that. Perhaps, I mean, this is kind of up for debate, I guess, but um, they think that the first motorized police vehicle was a paddy, it was a paddy wagon back in like the early, you know, maybe 1909, I think is the number I saw. Wow. And um, yeah, there's a possibility that that's the very first one. Now, there, there was a police vehicle even prior to that um, in the late 1800s that was an electric vehicle. So there's a good chance that the first police vehicle was, or law enforcement vehicle was electric. Did not I did not see that one coming? Yeah, yeah. Huh. shocker. <laughs> ah, yeah, okay. I didn't even yeah I didn't think of that until I just for, said it. For but, yeah. our listeners out there, Scott, Scott has a, a pretty excellent face when he's yeah, going no, for sarcasm. No, I really wasn't. I, I wasn't. <laughs> hey, you know what? Before we go much further, I want to yeah. say that um, this idea for, for this podcast, this this police car part podcast, yeah. sort of in a way came from a listener. Um, we have we have somebody that wrote into us. His name is Ben. He's from New Zealand, and um, we've been going back and forth an email a little bit and one of the okay. ideas that he posed was about police cars from around the world and we just mentioned that a little bit but um I've, I've said this in an email to him already but you know that gets into hundreds if not thousands of different vehicles when you're talking about around the world sure and that's probably something better to kind of look up and just you know determine what type of vehicles are used in what different regions and in different regions um so this is kind of a spinoff from that so we're we're going on a suggestion from ben here to, to you know just talk about police cars here in the u.s and what makes them unique all the way in New Zealand. Yeah. Ben's, thanks Ben's thanks for New writing Zealand. in, Ben. Yeah. That's that's kind of weird. We've got uh, Ben the listener, and then Scott Benjamin, the editor, mm-hmm. and then my name's Ben as well. Crazy. Yeah, we are, we are saved up on the Ben's. <laughs> but, but yes, we I guess we should have mentioned that earlier. I'm, I'm sorry, I forgot on oh, that. Oh, that's all right. I, I have it as a note here, and I just, yeah. uh, just got to it. So, um, yeah, we figured we'd give him his props. So we can't – yeah, his props indeed. Yeah. So we can't quite – take you all the way around the world in this episode ben but we can definitely tell you about the stuff in the united states and um i'll learn along with you so when i hear uh when i hear the names that you're mentioning of the different makes models of police vehicles 
those are obviously also civilian vehicles. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, for the most part, they're well, actually entirely right now. They're, they are civilian vehicles. They're, they're made, um, the cars that are made in the factory, really. That's kind of this, there's another angle to this that we'll talk about right now, I guess. Um, police cars are made at the factory, but only to a certain point. They're, they're manufactured as a police vehicle or a service vehicle, um, and I think I think they call it a taxi cab as well. There's a police taxi cab package that you can get, <laughs> and they're kind of they're similar because at the factory mm-hmm. they will include. Now these cars are in heavy service. I mean, use all the time, and we'll talk about that in a moment too. But you know, they're they're built with heavy duty components, high performance components for the police vehicles mm-hmm. uh, that maybe the taxi cabs don't have, but. Um, the the heavy duty aspect of them is is really important for the police because they have to put up with a lot of punishment. They're they're uh, they're definitely rough use. Now I've I've got a really specific one I heard. Mm-hmm. Um, I I've heard before, and tell me if this is true, that there is a difference in the electrical system or the computerized system of a police car versus the civilian version of that car that allows it to go uh, faster. Ah, that you know what? That's true in some cases. Not every case, but that's that's true. Uh, you can program uh, the engine control module, uh, the ECM or ECU in some vehicles. To it's it's a fuel delivery system, really, and uh, that, that's how they map out how much fuel the vehicle gets, how much air the vehicle takes in, and by tuning that to the point where um, it, it boosts horsepower, boosts torque, etc., in the vehicle, the police vehicle definitely has more power than than a civilian version of that vehicle would. Um, not in, again, not in every case, but mm-hmm. if you have one of these cars that's programmed for police use specifically, obviously that's something that you know the factory notes ahead of time. You know that this vehicle is is designated for police use. It's not a, a car that's to get into the hands of the public. Um, <laughs> or a sixteen-year-old who just yeah, got their license. Yeah, yeah, the good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah that would be a little uh, a little scary. It's it's really not that much more. It's not like double the horsepower or anything, uh-huh. but it's a significant increase to the point where it it matters. It's an edge. It is. So what what else makes a police car unique? Well, there are actually there's actually a list, a, a long list. And, oh man, you know I love a list. So well, <laughs> I won't bore you with the list, but um, like I said, the, what this really comes down to is high performance and heavy duty components. And one thing that we should say before we even get into this list is that you have to remember that a lot of police cars, and maybe you haven't even thought of this, but a lot of police cars are in 24 hour use. Oh, their yeah. continuous use. You know, after the end of one shift, they're handed off, still running, to the next officer that takes over. So um, occasionally you'll get a vehicle that will remain in continuous use without ever even turning off. Um, you know, they may shut them down here and there, but um, sure. for the most part it's 24 hours of use. And they can go as far as, and I didn't know this, this is a crazy number, they can sometimes put as much as 90 to 100,000 miles on a vehicle per year. That's quite a bit. That is. I mean, but if you're talking 24 hours of use, continuous, around the clock, you know, 365 days a year. Sure. That's a lot of mileage. And, I mean, you or I, it'd be, it'd be a lot if we drove 30,000 miles or 35,000 miles. Uh-huh. That, that's a lot. That's a lot of road trips, you know, yeah. long-distance driving. But imagine putting, you know, three times that amount on a car. That, that's significant. And additionally, uh, depending, I guess, on, on what type of law enforcement we're talking about, that could be a lot of stop and start driving you know in the city at the red lights yeah it could be it could be now it probably would have probably would have lower uh lower mileage if it was in a city environment but um still you've got that engine running for 24 hours um or close to it anyways and because of that some of these vehicles you know for service reasons they're they're well maintained Mm -hmm. for the most part they're well maintained they've got their own service department 
they they have um, engine idle time counters, which which monitor the number of hours that the engine's running. And I see that in heavy duty trucks a lot, construction trucks, diesel trucks, but um, the police vehicle versions often have engine idle time hour counts, so that you know the mileage might not be so accurate. I mean, it's accurate, but it might not really tell you the whole story that, yeah, the car sat idling for 15 hours out of that 24 hours because, you know, the officer's, you know, at a speed trap or just idling watching a certain intersection or, you know, whatever the case may be, or at a crime scene or at a traffic accident. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it may remain in idle for four or five hours at a time. That's an extreme case, but it it may happen. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a a lot of wear and tear on the engine as well. Um, and the the mechanics there need to know, you know, how how long that car's been operating. I guess yeah. I, I guess it's that's. I didn't think of that, about that, but that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. So pretty much everything has to be able to function as though it is going to conceivably run for forty eight hours or something nonstop. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's it's um, again heavy duty. And another thing that comes into this is. Um, a lot of cooling systems. So let's say that the you know if they run hot, they don't want it to run hot for a long, long time. So right. there are external coolers for um, the oil, uh, you know, engine oil, transmission oil, uh-huh. uh, power steering fluid. Um, there's also just an overall general cooling system. You know, if the, the radiator, the system that keeps the engine cool. Um, uh, it's heavy duty, super duty, I guess, really. So that's is that on the list? That, the- that's part of the list, yeah. And again, some more standard equipment. There's a list of standard equipment. There's optional equipment. Um, the list I'm happen I happen to be looking at is for Dodge Charger. All Par, I think, had this list, and it's uh, it's actually a pretty good list. So we've talked about a few different things. You know, high output alternator, mm-hmm. battery. They often have a column shifter, which is something that's kind of a throwback from you know, long time ago. Yeah, is that what I think it is? I'm sure it probably is. Yeah, you don't have to reach down to the center console to shift. Part of the reason is because, um, well, it's one, just more convenient when you're driving mm-hmm. in, in the way that they drive because they're, they're they're trained to drive like high-performance drivers, really. I mean, if you've right. ever seen a state trooper proving ground or test facility, you wouldn't believe what these guys can do with the car. They're very talented. Um, not just state troopers, but you know, sheriffs and local mm-hmm. police, I think, go through training like this as well. And some of those maneuvers require you to be able to shift between gears quickly and to reach that far away from the wheel down to the, the center console and shift and, and get it right is often difficult. And, you know, it just it's quickness as well. So they can get out of the vehicle real quick, you know, hand mm-hmm. off the wheel, shift it into park and get out. Um, it, it serves a function. Everything serves a function. And we should also point out, I think, at this at this point that due to the customization that any given law enforcement agency might might have on their vehicles on their department's vehicles there's no there's no definite how what's the best way to say it there's no definite specification or universal arrangement for every law enforcement correct yeah that's right um you know when i said that they come from the factory built that way to a point i mean just to that point they've got a police package and the police package is then shipped to police package vehicle is then shipped to the law enforcement agency where an upfitter, uh, someone who uh, fits the specific equipment that 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 company is looking for, that that law enforcement agency is looking for, mm-hmm. they fit that equipment to that vehicle. So it may it it may vary from county to county, it may vary from city to city, it may vary um, from state to state. I don't know how that you know breaks down. I'm sure it's you know just as many varieties as there are agencies. So yeah, it's it's. It's only to a point, and then every car after that, you know, from that point is 
for the most part unique. So pretty much every every cop car is a custom ride. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, huh. it really is. I mean, and they're they're very well crafted and very well thought out at this point. Um, there's some really really um, I don't know, interesting features to these these police cars. So. Tell me the crazy stuff. Do well, we crazy. Okay, some crazy stuff. I'll look for some, most. You know. A lot of it comes down to the engine as well. So a lot of these Charger cars, the Hemi package, you know, the Hemi engine, yeah. that's that's big deal for them. You know, that they have the added power that they need. There's a stealth mode switch in a lot of cars. What is a stealth mode switch? <laughs> that's pretty cool. I knew you were going to be intrigued yeah. by that one. Um, what that does is it turns off the instrument cluster, radio indicators, and, you know, the uh, the park neutral drive indicator. Yeah. Um, so it really, and it takes everything down to the dimmest possible level so they can drive without lights without interior lights as well and i'm not sure about this ben i'm pretty sure that if they open the door none of that comes on as well if you're in the stealth mode man we should get we should get stealth mode switches and then we should also see what we can do to our computers our car computers (laughs) i actually you know what we should check if that's legal first oh yeah I imagine I'm pretty sure it's not. Yeah, okay. pretty sure. Okay. But uh, right. and I think that's one of those. I think that's one of those things that um, when a when a vehicle's decommissioned, they have to undo a lot of this stuff. Oh yeah. And that's another cost for um, you know the uh, uh, the police agency, I guess, or the law enforcement agency, is that they have to remove certain things from the cars in order to put them back in the in the hands of the public. Because I see a lot of police cars driving around or, or old police vehicles. Yes. Um, easily, e- you know, easy to spot them with the. Um, you know the the spotlight on the sides, right? And right. Um, you know they just look like police vehicles. Yeah, it seems like th- there's a high cost involved. I would think with decommissioning a vehicle as well. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's see. Another thing that they have. Um, we've talked about this before, but um, vinyl seats. They have vinyl vinyl seats. seats. They have that partition that goes in between uh, the passenger or uh-huh. passengers in the rear and the driver. Um, that's important as well. A cage, sometimes glass or both. Uh-huh. I think there's also um, a, a metal barrier that they put in the back of the seat in order to prevent you know objects from being able to be pushed through the seat right safety yes. concern as well you know if a knife or something like that were to uh to go through there that would be bad news yeah. for sure for the driver or passenger also the back door you can't open it from inside yeah right? you're reading my mind ben I'm yeah that sorry. was uh it, no that's good i'm glad it's uh see you're thinking about this stuff that's that's excellent <laughs> it's um the uh the rear door locks and handles are inactive hmm. um the driver can only the they have to be open from the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, trying to think of anything else. Dual spot lamps, you know, on the sides we talked about yeah, that. Yeah, those you, are neat. And you can get those in chrome or you can get those in flat black, which is, you know, kind yeah. of cool so that, you know, they're not reflective. Yeah. Um, a lot of that is, you know, kind of the stealthy type stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Another cool thing that they have is a red dome light. Um, a lot of them have red dome lights. You can either switch to a white light or a red light or, of course, no light at all. Oh, okay. You know why? No. But I understand what you're saying, but I, I don't know why. They I thought you were going to say you knew why. Yeah, the oh, red, no. the red dome. The purpose behind a red dome light is it allows the officer to still be able to see in the vehicle, uh-huh. um, but it preserves night vision. Oh, okay, cool. So part of that stealth mode thing, where they've got the lights dim as possible, you know, you want to be able to see. If you, okay, here's a good example. You ever been on a bus at night? Yes. Okay, you know how bright it is inside a bus because they leave all the lights right, on and it's right. dark outside? You can't see anything outside. That's a good point. You can't see one thing. So they keep it dim, dark inside. And not only that, you know, if it's if it's dim and dark inside, you can see outside better. Um, if they are suddenly, you know, for whatever reason, if they're chasing somebody, they have to get out of the car quickly and find that person. And, you know, they've got the person has the advantage of already have, having been in the dark, yeah. darkness. Yeah. Um, 
you know, their night vision isn't totally screwed up by having a bright white light in their yeah. eyes for the, you know, the 30 seconds or one minute prior. So it, it gives them this advantage when they hop out of the car. Crazy tangent, mm-hmm. unrelated, but interesting. Someone had told me recently uh, that the reason pirates would wear eye patches or sailors at that time uh, was to reserve night vision in one eye so that they went below deck. They would be able to switch the patch. No kidding. You know what? I have no idea if it's true. It was really, it was just somebody, hmm. just somebody having a casual conversation. And may, maybe somebody can look into it. I mean, the... Uh, That's interesting theory. I, I always thought it was because they had that one hook hand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they had an itch on the eye or something. I, yeah. 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 You know I'm, I'm here with, with that. you at the yeah. joke. Yeah, I know. <laughs> there's a joke in there somewhere, I'm, I'm sure. But have you... Okay, here's... Now, we've talked about all this other stuff. I'm oh, right. sorry. Are you done with your... Uh, That's it. That's the end not? of the pirate really? story. Really? That's, That's a good theory, though. I didn't mean to... No, no, there, no. But... I feel like we. I feel like we gave it its due. <laughs> okay. Where are we going next? Next, I want. I want to tell you about a. Um, this is kind of exciting. There is now a company that is making purpose-built police cars for the first time ever, which is this astounds me really. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe because looking at an ambulance, an ambulance is purpose-built. Sure. Fire truck is purpose-built. Yeah. Post office vehicles are purpose-built. Police have never had a purpose-built car ever before they come from the factory as you know a crown victoria or mm-hmm. a um you know chevy impala mm-hmm. um this company is now making a car that is built from the ground up as a police car okay what, what company oh, it's, it's called carbon motors and they're making a car called the i think it's called the e7 and um i don't know if that'll change in the future or not but sure. this is the idea and they're taking orders for it right now um but it's it's pretty exciting. I mean, I don't have a whole lot to say about this. I mean, just check it out because yeah. it's it is interesting. It looks really cool. It's a neat car. It has a bit of a look like a Chrysler 300C that type of look to it. Uh, big big sedan, uh-huh. but it's not quite there. It's not it's not exactly that. But what makes it really cool is that they've thought about everything and the placement of everything. Um, and of course, all the electronics. You know, the the um, all the equipment that that police have to add to a vehicle. Right. Um, the laptops, the uh, the communicate, the radio communication systems, the lights, all the software for all of that. That's all thought of well ahead of time and integrated perfectly into the car, so that this thing operates. Uh, well, I wouldn't say flawlessly, but right. because I don't know. But um, it, it it's purpose built for the first time ever in history, and I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I want to check that out. Yeah, it's Carbon called Carbon Motors. Carbon Motors, yeah, and they make the car called the E7. So take a look at it and see what you think. But um, they are taking orders, so if you want to. No, you can't. <laughs> yeah, I think you have to be. Yeah, you'd have to be a police officer. Correct. So, if we wanted to sum it up, it sounds like the improvements and modifications made to a police car that make it different from a civilian car could be classified as improvements in safety, improvements in performance, and improvements in reliability. Mm-hmm. That's right. And um, electronics are so key in these cars that uh, you know they have to be able to communicate back to uh you know the headquarters or with yeah. each other um not only that but just all of the extra equipment that we just mentioned um that's really really crucial and and as far as getting the, the light operation correct and you know making sure that everything operates in the right sequence yeah that's important as well so i would add i would add electronics to that that that's uh, that's also very important but safety is probably the big one yeah you want to keep them safe because they're doing a pretty dirty job for us and uh you know i think they deserve every right to be safe they deserve not to have a knife pushed through the seat for exactly i mean and it's terrible you have to even think about something like that but you do Um, and it's it's probably good that there is finally a company that is 
thinking that through from the I guess from the get go. Yeah, that's right. It's it's very important, and I think it's a I think it's a great car. So check it out. Well, I don't know, Scott. You think we we you think we gave uh, Ben in New Zealand a, an okay answer? I think so. Yeah. I mean, he's he's still gonna have to look into the specifics of each car, but um, yeah, yeah, I think he'll be happy with this one. Awesome. Well, if we hopefully we've made that uh, interesting episode for a few listeners out there. I was interested. I thought, you know what? I am actually going to go look up Carbon Motors. <laughs> I, was, I want to write that down and check it out. But I have another listener who has a, has a suggestion for us, and I thought it might be time for... Listener mail? Yes. Spot on. Spot on as always, Scott. So Nathan, uh, who did not, did not say where he's from, but, but Nathan wrote us, it, uh, and he says... Uh, you'll remember earlier, Scott, we were talking about um, different colors of tires. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and uh, he wrote in and he said that different colors in rubber change the rubber compound very slightly but make a, a huge difference in wear over time. And he says he, he, he has learned this uh, from working with bicycles because there's colors and tires and grips and brake pads. And uh, that's why you start to see, that's where you start to see the difference. Hmm, okay, that makes sense. I've seen bicycles with uh, red tires or yellow tires mm-hmm. and uh, even white tires. Um, yeah, I guess our question was why, you know, we were asking why don't they make custom tires like that. I guess it's, is it, it comes down to wear then, right? Yeah, Nathan says, the, um, for instance, black is really co- is the best for tires uh, because it's, very, it's always the hardest. And you might see grips and stuff with a... Uh, light red color or salmon color or yellow and that's a softer rubber compound okay that makes sense makes yeah. perfect sense i mean i have to look into the chemical compound you know why you know why that is but yeah um interesting very good good point so i'm glad he i'm glad he wrote us yeah thanks for writing in nathan and um i guess to all our listeners out there thanks again for spending a little bit of time with us if you have a suggestion for uh, a topic that we should cover in an upcoming episode please send us an email at highspeedstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. And be sure to check out the High Speed Stuff blog on the howstuffworks.com homepage. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between, like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly. How much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. 
As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.